The legislature is returning next Wednesday, the day after election day, and we might actually get a pro-life bill signed. The superintendent of education debate happened last night. What did the candidates say? And should we declare pandemic amnesty? All of that to come on the podcast today. Welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall, a computerless Dave Wilson, sits to my left. There's nothing worse than getting to the office and realize I left my bag sitting in the office at home. I would have turned around and gotten my bag. because I'm like, too far I'm like, away. I'm like Velma. Velma is to her glasses as Justin is to his computer. That is very can't true. can't do anything without my computer. Well, the superintendent of education debate happened on Wednesday night in the ETV studios right here in your capital city, our capital city of South Carolina. Um, Lisa Ellis, the Democrat and Alliance candidate. Yes. Not the Palmetto Family Alliance. but <laughs> Far Alliance, from it. But Alliance. And Ellen Weaver, the Republican candidate for superintendent of education. Obviously, Molly Spearman is the outgoing superintendent. There were nuanced differences there in were. their views on how education should be funded. Um I'm just going to be honest with you, not a lot of fireworks, not not a lot of grabby stuff until you got into the issues that one candidate really never wanted to broach. Well, and that was, I, I think when you look at how these two candidates talked, Lisa Ellis consistently wanted to talk about the fact that she was 22 years as a teacher, 22, even though she's not 22 years as a teacher, she's at least 22 years in Education. Education. Activities coordinator. Well, she is now, yes. She had been in a classroom like before. But but there's a place where you go now and you ask, okay, what's the job of the superintendent of education? I liked Ellen Weaver's response personally because she talked about the fact that, you know, I've the superintendent of education's got to work with a general assembly, yep. gotta manage a staff of a thousand people, and has to set policy. Not create schedules for non-academic activities that are happening at a school. Well, I I mean, I think... Which is what stop. Lisa I, does. I think it's now. important to plan field trips, Dave. It is important to plan... I actually, love actually, field those trips. Are, those, are, those are academic activities. So oh, that are they? Okay. Field day. Um, at Blythewood High School. Uh, go Bengals. Going to the playoffs. Region champs. Um, what's interesting about this, I, I, wa- I wanted to hear their comments on critical race theory and banning books. Ban- banning books. Um, because I, I want to get to the book thing first, because if you remember, if you recall, yes, uh, Lisa Ellis started the initi- closed Facebook group, SC, SC for Ed. We're not a union state. No, uh, that SC for Ed group then uh, worked to have thousands of teachers walk out of classrooms across the, the estimate. State. So, so there was the day of the teacher walkout. They had a, a rally at the state house. It was red for Ed. Here's his wave of red shirt people coming into in it was a large group of people i'm not going to discount that sure but it was the call of getting teachers to leave the classroom for a day to leave their students not with with a teacher in the classroom not with a permanent teacher a per, substitute teacher and and there were plenty of things that went on during that day but if you take a look at what has happened since then teachers have gotten a 33% pay raise as a base salary yep. since that time period. Uh, there have been many other things that have been happening. We've had major changes in the funding formula for South Carolina for, for education. 
there are things that have happened and yet her claim to fame is the she was the founder of the closed Facebook group SC for Ed, which, by the way, has put out their list of great things that your kids should be reading. Culturally responsive books. Most of which we added to the list of books that probably need to be taken out of your school and public libraries because of the material that's in there. But Dave, no one's forcing your kid to go to the library and check these things out, Dave. Listen, in an elementary school, if a fifth grader wants to check out a book about things, then they should be able to do that. No one's going to make your second grader do it. So why are we taking books out of school? I mean, I mean, it's not like your tax dollars are paying for it. That's the whole point. <laughs> I mean, you look at it, your tax dollars are being used to yes. fund books that are being put into your classroom. And as Ellen Weaver said last night, some of which I cannot read out loud on the air here at ETV. We wouldn't ever read it out loud here. And we're not controlled by the FCC. No, we're not. The interesting thing that you Be look aware. at here is this. If these things don't start getting addressed, yep. there are going to be major issues that are going on. Because, okay, the whole red herring of we're banning books... No, what we're doing is we're protecting children. Children have never been allowed to be exposed to things. All of a sudden now it's okay for children to read just straight pornography or uh, to watch, to be in attendance as drag queens jiggle around. It, it's, it's by far the most ridiculous thing ever. Then we get to the CRT conversation. Oh, yeah. Which again, we have told you that just within the last week and a half, there is audio from a from a consultation group that trains teachers in Lexington School District 1. Conservative Red County, Lexington. That was training teachers professional development through a critical race lens that then in turn they're going to teach their students. What I love about the response about banning CRT in the state budget proviso and would you be okay with legislation that would ban it overall uh, my favorite thing, my, my favorite thing, Dave, is this. This is the reasoning. And, and, and Lisa Ellis said this last night because she's just a mouthpiece for the entire Democratic Party. And that is, well, it's not, it's not real. It, it's not happening. It, it's not happening in schools. But it's good that it is. And because it's not happening, you shouldn't ban it. And if you do ban it, it's because you're scared of a good thing. So I, st I'm, I'm, so I still get lost in the second part of the first half of that question. Yeah, but it's a good thing, Dave. It's a good thing, but we don't need to have it. But if we have it, then it's a, it's it can't be, can't be banned. Can't don't be banned. Ban it. Don't uh, ban it. It's a good thing. If it's not happening, then just let me waste my ink. This is just the place where school is to teach you the basic things that you need to know and understand to be able to be able to do the reading and the writing, your math capabilities, understanding what true science is, not fake science, and to be able to contextualize these things so that you can get out into the workforce and do a job and do it well. But these kids are going to go into a beautiful, diverse world, and we need to make sure they understand all viewpoints, Dave. That's an actual quote from last night. You also need to be able to get your butt out of bed and go to do your job 
and make the money that you need to make to be able to support your life, to support your family. And sometimes that goes beyond pansies and unicorns. But what's interesting, what's interesting is I pulled a quote. I think I think I heard one of the candidates say something like, the, ac- the academic stuff will come. I'm more concerned about the social and emotional development of students. Oh, oh bingo. Heard bingo. that one. That's social emotional learning and critical race theory if I've ever heard it. But look out. All right, so that the academics is why you're there. No, no, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to school. I didn't go to school. I didn't sit in Miss Garterbarm's seventh grade science class. That was her name. And I seventh grade. I didn't. Ass. I didn't dissect a pig eye. Did you have to do that? Yeah. To learn, it was disgusting. I had to chew a piece of gum the whole time because you know it keeps you from wanting to vomit. <laughs> uh, I didn't do all of that to then understand the 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 gender non-binary issues of the day. You know why? Because actually, when I was in seventh grade, wasn't a thing. But the point is, you go to school to learn. Teachers are there to teach. And I believe, I believe that across the state of South Carolina, there are more teachers who just want to go for the love of their job and the love for students to teach them and to mold them into bright intellectual minds. That's the goal. The goal is not to make mindless lemmings who believe everything Big Brother tells them to believe. And unfortunately, we're seeing two different sides where one side wants one thing and one side wants the other. You have the opportunity to vote on those sides on November the 8th or up until November the 8th with early voting in South Carolina. It's important to know that we have early voting. Georgia has early voting. Remember Jim Eagle? Yeah. Remember Jim Eagle? Jim Crow on steroids? Jim Eagle! Uh. Two million people have early voted in Georgia. Talk about your voter suppression there, huh? And, and honestly, I, I early voted yesterday. Congratulations. My son and I went to lunch, and on the way back, we realized, oh, wow, the polling place for a one of the, the area polling places that you could go to in Lexington County, there's like six places that you can go. If you need to find out where your polling place is so that you can vote early, you can go to scvotes.org. You can pull up your county. It's going to give you a full listing of the locations where you can go do early voting. We were in and out of there in five minutes. So easy, so quick, it's done. And the beauty of the whole part of it is, is that when that process works its way through, it's amazing the fact that we're going to be actually have greater voter involvement because of this. And that's, you know, that was one of the positive things that came out of the election reform that actually did get passed. What's interesting is, by the way, just just seeing this flash across my screen on NBC, voter ID laws disproportionately impact trans people because trans people are more likely to have IDs without the name that they go by and the gender marker that reflects how they present. So voter ID laws are now no longer just racist. They're racist and transphobic. Um, moving along. Are I'm not, no, no, moving along. We're going to we'll have save to it. jump. We'll save it. The legislature. Welcome back, my friends. They're coming back on, on Wednesday. The day? The day after the election. Listen, election. just understand Listen. that next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, are going to be... We're going to be dragging like crazy. Um, <laughs> like everyone around me is going to be like Usain Bolt, and I'm going to be like Elmer Fudd. Um, yeah, the legislature's coming back on Wednesday. What's interesting is the conference committee is set to meet on Wednesday, I believe at 10, and the Senate's been called back at 11. So in that particular case, what you're going to see is that conference committee that is working on House Bill 5399. We know this. The conference committee met. They bounced around some potential ideas. They said, hey, listen, we need to work on these some more. They decided they're going to come back on Wednesday. 
Then the House and Senate were called back in for Wednesday as well, which basically tells us this. There is going to be some level of a compromise that's going to be put together between the House and the Senate on House Bill 5399. That means that we're going to have some level of improvements either to what was done on the heartbeat law to address the issues that have come up with the Supreme Court and possibly other additions that go along with that. Do you think it's going to go as far as uh, banning abortion at conception? Personally, at this point in time, I don't think that the votes are there. At least they kept being said over and over again by Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey. The votes aren't there to do that. Will that make the compromise? Probably not, because I don't think they call the membership back for the House and the Senate without something that they know they can get passed in both chambers. And we'll see what happens with that. We don't know what that bill will look like until it goes to the floor. Right, and we do know this. It will include some elements of what the House passed and some elements of what the Senate passed. There will be no new things added to that because they can't do that in the way this conference committee is set up. So, they're going to come back on Wednesday, November the 9th. The 9th. Election day is Tuesday, November the 8th. You know, I'm just glad, Dave, that the legislature in South Carolina has finally decided that, hmm, maybe it's time we actually do something. I think if it weren't for the fact that the signing die resolution meant that they had to be done by midnight on the 13th, I don't think that they would come back. I think they recognize the fact that we're pushed up against the clock. We They don't want to make this any more of an influence on the election as possible, which is understandable. Let's get past the election, come in, do our thing, call it done, Mm -hmm. and be done. So I think that's the place where we also have to begin to think about the abortion issue finding some level of a resolve in South Carolina as opposed to what we have seen In other states, there are five states right now that are going to have some level of a referendum on the ballot, Um, one of those being California, which has a really interesting tie back to South Carolina because Gavin Newsom and his friends with Proposition 1 in California are trying to ensconce into the words of the Constitution of California a right for abortion in that state. It's already the largest abortion state with 39 and a half million people. It's the largest populated state. It has some of the least restrictive abortion laws possible. And so they want to enshrine within the Constitution the right for abortion. Ironically, the Proposition 1 folks, led by Gavin Newsom and his cadre of friends back behind, put together an ad. Cabal. The Cabal? Is that what it is now? Put, uh, the, the cabal put together an ad included in there was a clip of a young woman who was crying at the Supreme Court on June 24th when the decision came down. That woman happened to be our former intern, Macy Petty, who was there with Students for Life celebrating an event that they didn't know would be happening in their lifetime. Right. So... She went on to, was it Instagram? Yes. She went on Instagram with a very direct response, basically telling Gavin Newsom and the folks on Proposition 1 in California, hey, listen, you used my image. You used it out of context. You knew that we were pro-life people, and yet you used my image anyway. Here's a great place where you and Mitch had a conversation with Basie 
um, to, to hear the rest of the story. So we'll let you take a look at this. That's right, Dave. I'm here with uh, Mitch Prosser, our Director of Outreach here at Palmetto Family, and we're joined by Macy Petty. You remember earlier this week we talked about what's going on with her, which is kind of strange because, well, not a lot of people who follow us maybe know Macy's story about yeah, what happened on June 24th, right. but it has been picked up. I actually saw the original post yeah. uh, when she put out her statement stirring on social media, and all of a sudden I wake up one day and it's on Fox News. Macy's been a vital part of what we've done at Palmetto Family. Uh, she has helped with a lot of our uh, social media and and really been an integral part of uh, being a voice on women in sports and then for life here in the state of South Carolina. But we're honored to have Macy on today. Macy, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and uh, we'll go into June the 24th here in just a second. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. I absolutely love Palmetto family and everything that you guys do. Uh, so, do what? Your check is in the mail. Yes. <laughs> Funny. So uh, yeah, I was not supposed to be in DC on June 24th. I was interning there all summer and was flying out on June 23rd to go to Nashville. And then I heard that they announced another decision day that Friday. And uh, I knew that I couldn't stand the idea of not being in DC for a decision day. I wanted to be at the court. I wanted to be in the city when uh, the Dobbs decision was announced. So I changed my flight um, and I was literally wearing cowboy boots in front of the Supreme Court because I was on my way to Nashville. But I, so yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I make it on Fox News and I'm wearing cowboy boots, but um so I was on the supremecourt.gov website on my phone, refresh, 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 as I've done every decision day thus far. And all of a sudden it popped up on my screen and uh, I start screaming. I'm like, guys, it released, guys, it released. And there was a camera that had been following this entire thing. It had been following me, refresh, refresh, refresh. And um, everyone started crowding around me. It wasn't announced over the loudspeaker, but I was like, everyone had just released. And then all of a sudden we hear it over the loudspeaker and I started crying. I'm kind of an emotional person, but it was a surreal moment of, wow, Roe v. Wade after almost 50 years of it, just like having this shadow over our country is now lifted and I am witnessing a miracle and I'm standing in front of the Supreme Court with two of my best friends were also there. And it was just absolutely surreal. And I started crying. So that's kind of the backstory. So we we move from that. That event happens, obviously, and the ripple effects, or I guess the shock waves yeah. and the aftershocks, have been felt since then. We're still dealing with those here in South Carolina. Um, but then that video you mentioned, there's a camera there that gets that video. We've seen we've seen you guys, uh, you and your friends, um, as folks have been seeing on the screen as you were just talking about that. We've seen you in other videos. We've seen you uh, magazine uh, covers, magazine covers, uh, yeah. family policy alliance videos, whomever uh, pro life groups have been putting together uh, videos of folks who were at the court that day. Right, normal. But um, now again, public space, you're con you're, you're fair game, um, so to speak. But then uh, proposition Prop One is up. Mm -hmm. Uh, in California for a vote, same as Prop 2 or 3 in Michigan as well. It's the same type of uh, legislation. There's politicians just propositioning people all over the place. Shocking. <laughs> uh, but you appear in this video 
that has been retweeted by Gavin Newsom, of course, who who just loves himself some abortion. Dare and I mention Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton yeah. as well, the former former Secretary of State, twice failed presidential candidate, <clears throat> also put, retweeted this video. So you've been you've been featured in those videos. What? And I'm going to ask you this question as the as the I'm not a recovering journalist, but as a journalist, what makes those different than the pro-life videos, Macy? Well, so, whoa. Uh, so as I said, this camera was following me the entire one minute. There's, it's a whole minute video following me from holding my students for life sign, clicking refresh, standing around hundreds of other pro-life friends, um, all the way to the moment that I was crying. And the very last 0.5 seconds of that, of me crying, cut out everything around me, just my face crying. I see that video tweeted by Hillary Clinton, Gavin Newsom, these Democratic elites, uh, with the word sad written over it. And it was being used to uh, encourage people to vote for this Proposition 1 um, Act in California. And so not only did they absolutely distort this video because like I said, I was holding a students for life sign 20 seconds before that, maybe not even that, maybe 10 seconds before that in the video. But so not only did they distort that, but then they're also using my emotions and passion for life that was shown in my tears to then persuade people to vote for abortion, the very thing that I was crying about. So it's, it's horrible. It's disgusting. And I, am very upset because I don't want them using my face and my image to promote something that I just fundamentally d disagree with. And they know that I fundamentally disagree with. Macy Petty, uh, voice for women, college student, uh, collegiate volleyball player. We're glad you're on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. As we talk through some of this and fast forward from June the 24th to let's say last week, how did you learn about this uh, Prop 1 ad that your image is on? And what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I, one of my friends who works at California Family actually um, messaged me that video because we had followed each other on Instagram. And I um, had posted that video a couple of times just throughout my Instagram. Um, I did like this whole search where I was trying to find it because I knew that somebody had this video of me finding out that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Right. And uh, so all of that had been following on my social media, which she, so she knew that this girl crying in the cowboy boots, um, ugly crying in front of the Supreme Court was me. Uh, so she actually messaged the video to me and she's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I hate to tell you this, but they're using your face. I know you're pro-life and they're using your face um to promote abortion and so i got that text and my heart sunk to the floor uh because i i didn't know how long that video had been out um i i was only aware of it after hillary clinton tweeted it because obviously that's when it started picking up speed with thousands of retweets and views um so that's when i originally found out about it so then you release a statement. Can you give us maybe, a, and, and we talked about that statement uh, on a previous podcast, or, or they did. Uh, we, mm -hmm. I, was, I, was buying moon, I was buying moon pies. You were. Um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that statement, what went into that, and what, what you've seen, heard, and faced as a result of that statement on social media. 
Absolutely. So I wrote up a letter to Hillary Clinton, Gavin Newsom, uh, mm-hmm. the Proposition One campaign, California Democrats, everyone who's involved in creating and sharing this video. And so I posted it on social media um, and it picked up some fire, which was really good because I wanted them to see it. And if it were stick, if it were staying on my social media, none of them follow me, they wouldn't have seen it. Um, but I'm very thankful because people did start to share it and it started to pick up speed. Um, and some, a couple different uh, news articles were written about it. And then all of a sudden the Proposition One campaign comes out with a new video. And in this new video, I'm not in it. They switched the clip. So they had obviously seen this letter, which was a big win. Yeah. But my, the old video, knowing I'm pro-life, knowing like all of my moral and religious convictions about it, they left it up. Right. It's still up on Hillary Clinton. It's still up on Gavin Newsom. It's still up on Prop 1. All of these uh, different platforms still have this video up. And uh, so... I, I continued to fight and push back and I still have not received any communication from them. I asked, I requested an apology because um, I know that they know what they did. And especially after this letter was written, um, knowing that they saw it and how they, they violated these convictions of mine. Um, I am kind of, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised because they manipulate women every day. Sure. Um, but that's where we are right now. So I'm still just trying to spread the word. The vote is next week. And so um, I'm hoping people will start to catch on to the fact that they couldn't even find a like <laughs> genuinely sad person to use in their campaign. Um, so fundamentally, this entire video was a fraud. Um, but that's where we are right now. Well, uh, it's fascinating. And, and I don't know that you want to hear from Hillary uh, or her campaign on this, um, because if you did, you know, um, so there's that. Um, but it's fascinating that it's crickets, uh, you know, they always lead with this sort of thing. And then if they issue an apology and, and well, I'm they just, just, they just tell you, they just say, it'll go away. Right. I, and I'm going to just, you know, be forthright here. I don't think you're going to hear a, any sort of apology. If they do publish an apology, it's usually on the back page, you know. Hillary hasn't apologized for claiming Russian interference, so I doubt she'd apologize for this either. So, yeah. So, but thank you for at least holding their feet to the fire on this. What would you tell, as as we wrap this up with Macy Petty joining us on the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, both intellectual and patriotic, um, how would you, that's her new tagline, how, (laughs) Macy, how would you... uh, encourage folks they see this and they say well see this is why i'm not vocal this is why i'll use the power of my vote and i'll even use the power of my phone to call my state senator or my state rep or my u.s senator my u.s rep but i'm not going to go out i'm not going to make a ruckus so to speak i'm not going to be very uh very public facing what would you tell younger pro-life activists like yourself Older pro-life activists like Justin. Yeah, yeah. What would you What would you tell What would you What would you tell those folks, given the pressure that you've been under with this over the last uh, several weeks? Yeah. So it would have been really, really easy for me to see that text from my friend at California family and be like, "Oh well, man, that stinks." I wish that they hadn't used my face for this, but it is what it is. Um, but I didn't, and I. Uh, through a fit. <laughs> and I've seen progress. I have seen um, 
this, this story kind of take flight and I've seen them have to change their video. They probably spent between $1,000 and $6,000 just for my clip alone. So them having to replace it was huge already. But then for the media to pick up and say like, you think that they're not manipulating women? Look at this. Um, it's, it's huge. And so I think it shows that even a college student can make a difference and their voice can be heard. I literally was the Fox News headline on Sunday night. Like what in the world? If you would have asked me two weeks ago, I never would have thought that was possible. But I mean, I have just, I've had a lot of backlash, but I've also seen incredible support. And there are so many people out there who are ready to help amplify your voice because I mean, we live in America, we live in a democracy and Dobbs literally let democracy react. And that's what's happening right now. And I'm not going to, my voice matters and my vote matters. I'm not going to sit here and let them like manipulate that in a way that um, alters my view of abortion. So I would say that don't ever underestimate yourself or your voice because the Lord can use it and, and work and he has. One final thing I want to get to today, today, Dave, we're going to scratch the pronoun thing um, and, and we're going to, Thank goodness. And <laughs> I was about to say, for is this that article, a new pronoun? For this article scratch in, and scratches. And, yeah. Okay. This article in The Atlantic mm -hmm. by Emily Oster. Yes. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty. This is in The Atlantic. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the lead. Here we go. Here we go. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We, we took a lot of walks, actually, as well. Yes, in my we family. did. We, now, now, we didn't do this next part. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in the front would use if someone was approaching on the trail, and we needed to put on our masks. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, Social distancing! <laughs> These precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks were made out of old bandanas. Wouldn't have done anything anyway, but the thing is, we didn't know. I've been reflecting on this lack of knowledge. Thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown on COVID. No better place to talk about lack of knowledge than Brown. We've spent several lectures reliving the first year of the pandemic, discussing the many important choices we had to make. Some turned out to be better than others. There's an emerging consensus that schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low, whereas the cost to students' well-being and educational progress were high. The latest figures on learning loss are alarming. But in spring and summer 2020, we only had glimmers of information. Reasonable people, people who cared about children and teachers, advocated on both sides of the reopening debate. Given the amount of uncertainty, almost every position was taken on every topic. And on every topic, someone was eventually proved right and someone else proved wrong. In some instances, the right people were for the wrong reasons. In other instances, they had a prescient understanding of the available information. We have to put these fights aside and declare pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge. L.A. County in California closed its beaches in 2020. Ex post facto, this makes no more sense than my family's mass hiking trips. But we need to learn from our mistakes and then let them go. We need to forgive the attacks too because I thought schools should reopen. And I argued that kids at a group were not at high risk. I was called a teacher killer. It wasn't pleasant. The feelings were high. 
Moving on is crucial now because the pandemic created many problems we still need to solve. That's a lot for you to take in from Emily Oster. I'll give it to you this way. Listen, we were wrong about everything. And we ruined your life for like a year. And we spent money out the wazoo that's not been known by God or man. We kept your kids out of school. Lisa Ellis last night, by the way, did say that schools were never closed. It was just virtual. That's ridiculous. We closed your schools. We spent money into the oblivion. We forced you, as terms of employment, to get, to get a, to vaccinated. Get a, to, get, to get an experimental drug that we weren't sure worked or not. We now have that information. We have now caused your children's learning rate to slow at a rate we've never seen before. And we wouldn't allow you to see your dying relatives. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah. But you know what? We, you know, we were wrong. You were right. You were right. We were wrong. You know, we all had good intentions. So let's just call it square. It is so difficult when you get into a crisis situation. If you do not have a plan for how you're going to deal with it, the part that just frustrates me so much is coming to find out like things like social distancing. We're total swag. I mean, total swag. It was going to be three feet. No, we better make it six. How do we know? Well, we just should. We should put we should put clear backed uh, screens on the top of booths in yes. restaurants. So when the the virus Whereas, won't go over it and it can't go around. No, it only goes over. I still find it funny when you when you had uh, who was it that was in the debate? I guess it was Jamie Harrison in his debate with with I, Lindsey I, with I, Lindsey full Graham. Full, full disclosure, didn't watch it. There was a piece of plexiglass that separated them on the stage. I'm like. You think that the air system doesn't fill the entire room? Let's just like Charlie Crist said the other day in Florida that he's going to be wearing a mask on his plane flight, as opposed to a car flight, on his flight to uh, Orlando because of um, a new variant of COVID. Some people. If you if you if you wear a mask, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you never mind, I'm gonna stop. Yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble. Here's here's the okay. There were some screwy things that went on. I'm going to give a little bit of credit on this one. You know what? There were some screwy things that went on. We kind of, we, we made no some one, mistakes. But, but that's the thing, though. No one thought that closing beaches would stop the spread of COVID. No, but. Because you're outside. Any person with common sense knew that. Right. But the thing that we have to, and, and I'm going to give, okay, give a little bit on this one. To Emily Oster. You didn't know what it was going to be happening in a closed situation when you got 23 people in a room together. Sure. There is a question about that. Sure. Now, the fact that there are still some school districts that have plexiglass between people who are sitting on the dais at the board meeting is ridiculous. That doesn't do anything except create a barrier between you and the other person who you may not really want to be talking to anyway. That's I don't know. That's uh, maybe we should board meetings. That's maybe they should just be spray painting in between them. There you go. Uh, So Emily Oster says that we should declare pandemic amnesty according to the Atlantic. I look for. You know what? I don't want to declare pandemic amnesty. I just think, I just think that common sense, logical conservatives should just take the country back. I agree with that, and that I will, I will give credit on this one. I think it is time to move on. Agreed, and we will do that. We'll move on into the next week. Our time is running short here. You like that transition? That was, that was a really good. great one. I that knew that's where you were going to go. That was good. We're going to move on to next week, so we're going to take like a four-day break. 
and we'll be back here because next week is election, election day. week. Election day is Tuesday. <laughs> then Wednesday, the legislature returns. We could have a new pro-life bill sitting on Governor McMaster's desk by Thursday. It could be. It could be there by Wednesday afternoon. I would not be surprised. Would, could that be? Could that be the last piece of legislation Governor McMaster signs as governor? We'll <laughs> <laughs> talk to you next week on the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Get out and vote.